Well, good morning, New City Church. Ryan here, Pastor Ryan here. So glad that you're with us uh, here this morning. A little midweek Bible study. Uh, we've been walking through 1 Corinthians 15 uh, since Easter Sunday, and I thought it would be a helpful, encouraging uh, time to look at 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, just some beautiful, profound practical teaching on the resurrection of Christ um, and the implications of our own resurrection, uh, but also uh, how that shapes how we live and and what it means to be resurrected people, as uh, the scriptures would tell us, as we are disciples of Jesus. And uh, so we've been looking at 1 Corinthians kind of 15, going very slowly through this one chapter. And, uh, and so uh, just by way of summary, if you've been uh, part of this study or just jumping in whenever you're listening uh, to this. It's a, a great letter, the, the book of, of Corinthians, the letter of Corinthians. It, it's a church that's, that's banged up. It's a, it's a church that's divided. Uh, it's a church that has some confusion over what the spiritual life is. Uh, and people have different views on what the spiritual life is. Uh, and, uh, th- there's division over particular teachers and who they follow. Um, there's a lot of sin going on in, in the church, sexual sin, all kinds of debauchery going on, which gives, uh, I think average people hope, uh, that God still works through brokenness and sin. And, uh, and, and Corinthians is a, a church that needs some hope and is being persecuted. And so, so Paul's using, the writer here is using uh, the resurrection and the gospel to kind of comfort them. And so he gets to the end of the book in chapter 15, and he's, he's kind of just reminding them who they are, reminding them who they belong to and what their lives are about. Um, and it's all framed around uh, the resurrection of Christ. Um, and so in, in chapter 15, at the first kind of a, about 11 verses, He says, I want to remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, to which you receive, which you stand, by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed uh, in vain. And then he goes into this kind of summation of the gospel, for I delivered to you as first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day. And so it's kind of the gospel in a nutshell. And he says, "I I want to remind you, this is of first importance. This is what's to shape your life, to build your life around when, when things are going wrong in the church or in the world. Keep coming back to this, this gospel, uh, this, this message that I preached to you, that the apostles preached to you, that, that ground you, that, that the gospel that saved you, um, the, the, the gospel that you received by grace. Uh, it, it's your identity. It's your hope. It's, it's where you find life. And so like all people, we drift and we forget who we are. And so when we forget who we are, uh, we, we could live in anxiety. We live in fear. We live in desperation. So, so Paul here is just constantly reminding them, bringing them back to the hope that they have in Christ. <clears throat> and he reminds them of the historical realities of the resurrection and that, that Christ was seen by, by 500 people. And so your faith is rooted in not some kind of woo woo spirituality, but your faith is rooted in history and facts and things that happen to people in certain times and places and how the resurrection of Christ changes people. Um, when they encounter this risen Jesus. And then as we kind of move through the letter um, <clears throat> in verses 12 and on, it, Paul begins to talk about the, the future resurrection um, and our hope in the future. It ba- basically saying if, if the resurrection didn't happen, our faith is futile, our faith is null, our faith, faith is void. 
the work that Paul was doing, the work that the apostles were doing, preaching this resurrected Christ, if it didn't happen, we're still in our sin. And so we have no hope for the future. Um, and so he kind of couches it and frames the next section of 1 Corinthians 15 in the future. And the, the future of, and the coming of Christ. Um, and, and, and he even talks about the judgment day and how that's all going to work and how Christ will return and we will, uh, be resurrected from the dead. And then we'll get to, uh, next week as we, we, we kind of land the plane, uh, our own resurrected bodies and new, the new world and the new heavens and new earth. What will that be like and how we experience God with, with new resurrected bodies and, and those kinds of things. And so, um, I, I love the way Paul's kind of, slowly, methodically walking through this chapter to kind of show us hope in the present, hope in the future. And then now he's going to kind of come back to some more, I think, really practical teaching on how does the resurrection of Jesus Christ shape our daily living um, and, and, and how we see the world. And what we do and how we spend our, our days. And it, in typical Paul fashion, he's kind of moving through and it's almost like he kind of has a thought and goes, Oh, I need to write this down. Uh, and goes back and begins to, to kind of talk about some of the same, same themes. But, but these verses, we're going to look at 29 to, to 34 this morning. Just a few verses are very practical, um, on how it shapes our daily lives, how we can find hope in the midst of suffering and struggle. Um, and, and so let's, I'm just going to read those, uh, for us. First Corinthians 15. We're going to look at verses 29 to 34. I'll say a couple thoughts on that and then, uh, we'll, we'll pray and we'll, we'll go on our days. Uh, so first, first Corinthians 15, 29. Otherwise, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized on their behalf? Why are we in, why are we in danger every hour? I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I die every day. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus, if the dead are not raised? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor, as is right, and do not go on sinning, for some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. Uh, so in these few verses are, are very practical implications of daily life because of the resurrection uh, of Christ. Uh, and, and so I've been kind of talking about the last few weeks of these dominoes, that if we lose the domino of the resurrection, what do we actually lose for discipleship, for life with God in our world? And, and so we, we talked about that, you know, the, the, if we lose the, uh, the centrality of the resurrection, if that's not part of who we are, if that's not part of the message we, we carry and the realities that, that we have walking with Christ, then we, we lose our, our faith and discipleship. Our faith is futile. It has no point. Um, I talked about the, the domino of, you know, the future resurrection, uh, when we die, that, that we have no hope beyond the grave if the resurrection didn't happen. And so today, the implication is the domino. If we lose the resurrection of Christ, the domino is implications for daily life, daily life. Um, and, and so, so Paul 
begins his teaching with, with something very controversial and very strange. And scholars, some have said there's 70 different versions of what could be going on here. And so um, I'm not going to surmise what this might be happening, but it's very practical in the sense that he's talking about the baptism of the dead, which is not something we practice uh, by any means, but something's going on in the church where there's some confusion. Because in verse, verse 29, he says, otherwise, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people uh, being baptized on their behalf? So what scholars think is going on here is in Corinth, because of their faulty understanding of the resurrection, because some are throwing out the resurrection and and minimizing it and uh, going back to their pagan worldviews and their Greek worldviews before they were Christians, is some got nervous. So those that didn't have the opportunity to be baptized when they were alive some people were baptizing themselves or others on their behalf. And that's what he's talking about, the baptism of the dead. This is most likely what's happening, is to, to somehow say, well, my friend, my, my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, they, they passed on, but they weren't, weren't baptized, and I want them to be with me in the resurrection, so I better baptize myself on their behalf. Um, kind of stand in for them, right? It's, it's kind of this means of grace. And so Paul, his rebuke here is to say, well, you don't understand the resurrection then. That baptism isn't your hope. Baptism doesn't save you by any means. It's the resurrection that's the key piece here. That the hope that your loved ones have beyond the grave is resurrection. That Christ walked out of the tomb and it's in him that we have the hope of resurrection. So baptizing yourself on their behalf thinking that now they'll be okay is, is senseless. It, it doesn't make any, any sense. So, so what Paul's coming around to, again, what he's hinted at multiple times here in 1 Corinthians 15 is there is no hope beyond the grave, but now we have hope even in death because of the resurrection of Christ. That whether we live a short life, whether we live a long life, whether we have an easy life or we suffer, which seems like every single day, we have hope of resurrection beyond the grave. Who, who can say that in confidence? And, and what's beautiful for the Christian is it doesn't, pu- it doesn't puff us up. It doesn't make us arrogant. It doesn't make us self-righteous. It actually humbles us because the reality is someone had to do something on our behalf to say with confidence, I have hope beyond the grave. And it's not because of my work. It's not because of my morality. It's not because I'm a good person. <laughs> it's not because I'm smarter than anyone else, but it's because Jesus lived and died and rose from the grave, opening a new day, opening a new creation for us that sin and the result of sin is death doesn't have the last say anymore because of the resurrection. So so Paul's trying to encourage them to say, you don't need to baptize the dead. If, you, if you're baptizing the dead, then you don't believe in the resurrection. You don't think the, the resurrection is sufficient. So we don't need to add anything to it. We don't need to do our own thing or come up with these religious practices. Why? Because Jesus is risen from the dead. And as Paul said earlier, and Jesus is returning to make all things new in his final um, resurrection, if you will. So, so no hope in death if we lose the resurrection. But now that we have the resurrection, we have hope beyond uh, the grave. Now, another little piece and I think application that an implication that Paul hints at is there's no hope in suffering for the cause of Christ or just suffering in general if there is no 
no resurrection. I don't know if you, you saw that in verse 30 and 32. He says, why are we in danger every hour? I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord, I die every day. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus if the dead are not raised? If the dead are not raised. This is a great Paul. This is kind of kind of little poke in the side to the, the, the church in Corinth. He's saying, I'm dying every single day. Like literally, I'm, I'm an inch away from death for the cause of Christ. I've been part of riots. I've been in prison. Here he, he mentions fighting wild beasts. Now, most likely it's not literal wild beasts. Someone say, oh, that's, he was in the Coliseum fighting animals. There's no uh, historical record of that. Most likely it's his opponents, spiritual battles. It's kind of a metaphor for just the things that he's da- daily fighting these beasts in Ephesus, people that, that reject him, re- reject the gospel. He's been beaten. He's been shipwrecked. He's been bitten by snakes. He's had money. He's lost money for the cause of Christ. So what is the point of all of this suffering for the cause of Christ, for the sake of the gospel, to to bring the message of this good news of grace to the ends of the earth? What is the point if there is no resurrection from the dead? It makes no sense. And he's hinting at what he he said, what we looked at uh, the last couple weeks is, if the resurrection of the dead didn't happen, then our message is in vain and our faith is in vain. It's futile. It makes no sense. Then we're actually liars on behalf of God. That we're not really giving anybody any hope if there's no resurrection. So what's the point of suffering if there's nothing beyond the grave? What's the point of all this? It doesn't make any sense. And we can apply that in just general suffering, that the suffering you and I do um, throughout our lives in, in small ways and big ways. Right now, the, the entire world is, is facing a pandemic. What's the hope beyond the grave? What's the hope if the pandemic were never to end? Right? I mean, people have lived in horrendous times in human history, plagues and famine and war and things that we, we have never experienced in our lifetimes. And for some, it didn't lift in their lifetime. But what would be our hope to keep on going and experience suffering, whether it's suffering on behalf of Christ. Why, why would I waste my Lord willing, you know, 50, 60, 70 years of my life preaching the gospel, following Christ, if there is no resurrection of the dead? Why lead a church? Why plant churches if there's no resurrection from the dead? What do we do when we lose a loved one? What do we do when we have sickness if there's no resurrection of the dead? Where's our hope in suffering? Why fight the wild beasts in the spiritual battles if there's no resurrection from the dead? So, so you can imagine, here's this people, again, in the first century, we don't fully comprehend that. They're getting beat up every single day. They're, they're ostracized. They're being pushed out. And... They don't have privilege in the culture. They, they don't have the resources that others have. They're being mocked. They're being maligned. They're being made fun of. And Paul's saying, what's the point of going through all of this if there's no resurrection from the dead? And so there's great hope in that. The resurrection is the, the linchpin to everything. It's, it's the linchpin to death beyond the grave, <clears throat> or life beyond the grave, I should say. That we don't need to baptize the dead because we have the hope of resurrection. 
We don't need to you know, say some extra prayers just in case we don't get in. It's hope in Jesus. It's trust in Jesus that he's did enough for us, that he's walked out of, the, out of the tomb. He's walked out of the grave. And because of his resurrection, our resurrection is secure. We've already been raised with him. Uh, we've died with him. We've also been raised with him. And so it, it also gives us hope for suffering for the cause of Christ and suffering in our daily life for the unknowns. Now, third, there's also no hope for daily living. Like, what, what's the what's the point of being obedient to Christ? What's the point of uh, living holy, godly, loving lives to God and to to our our neighbors? Because you, I don't know if you saw this in verse thirty-two. At the end, there he says, "Let us drink, eat, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Let us eat, drink." For tomorrow we die. It was a, a common phrase in Greek culture. Basically, there's nothing beyond this life, so just live it up. It doesn't really matter. I mean, I mean, think about the fatalistic view of life. That Christians are not fatalistic on any level because of the resurrection of Christ. That we don't just look at our lives and look at the world and just go, hey, it doesn't really matter. Oh, it's, there's a pandemic. Oh, it's suffering. It's not flippant by any means. It's not... Well, let's just hang it up. Let's just go inside. Let's just forget about it all. It's, it's actually the opposite. It, it, what the resurrection gives us is a new impetus for living, a new hope for living, a new drive for living, that, that we see our relationships matter, our work matters, taking care of kids matters, teaching kids matters. What we say, how we act, how we uh, love our neighbors, all those things matter in God's economy. So, so Paul, you know, is very frustrated. You can kind of, kind of hear it in his voice. He's frustrated with God's people in, in Corinth because they're just kind of throwing up their hands and just going like, well, just live it up. Might as well. There's no hope for us. And he keeps bringing them back constantly to the resurrection of Jesus Christ to say, this shapes your daily life, how you live. We, we never throw up our hands and just go, ah, it is what it is. Like, I hate that phrase. I don't think Christians should ever say that. It is what it is. Well, it's not just it is what it is because Jesus has risen from the dead. So, so everything matters. Our lives matter. Our actions matter. Our behavior matters. Our work matters. Our relationships matter. It all matters because of the resurrection of Christ. And, uh, and so that, that phrase of eat, drink, be merry, you know, get it in all now has a very kind of small view of life. And so what Paul wants to do is expand our vision and our worldview for life. That this isn't the whole thing. Our, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years of life isn't the whole picture if there's no resurrection. I should say, if there is a resurrection. So we don't say, eat, drink, and marry for tomorrow we, we die. That's just going back to the old person, the old way of seeing life. So there's great motivation, encouragement, grace for our daily living because of the resurrection of Christ, that we don't live these fatalistic lives, that we can be optimistic in our lives. Now, we understand humanity. We understand ourselves. We're broken. We're flawed, of course. We kind of live in this tension of, of we have a very balanced anthropology, that we don't see people as too lofty and too high because we know that we're, we're broken sinners and we know the world is broken. So we don't, we don't expect utopia in this life, but we also can have this, this hope and this optimistic, 
worldview that because of the resurrection, our lives matter and our actions matter. How we spend our days matters. So the last little piece, which which kind of builds on this idea, um, is there's if, if there is no resurrection for daily uh, for daily life, what that means is there's no hope for knowing God. There's no hope for knowing God. So in thirty three it says, "Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor, as is right, and do not go on sinning. For some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame." That in the resurrection, it changes how we live. I mean, he says here, you know, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good, good morals. He's like, don't hang around people that, that don't believe in God or don't believe in resurrection because it's going to lead to, lead to bad behavior. Now, that's kind of a strange leap here, but it makes total sense because he's kind of touching on what he just said in, in verse 32 is, well, if there's no resurrection, just eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Just keep on sinning. Just live it, live it up. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter in the end. But he's saying, well, well, don't hang around people that don't believe in God or have no knowledge of God because they're, they're corrupting you. They're, they're, they're basically living as if there is no resurrection. And so how we know God, how we, we live for God is revealed to us in the resurrection his life, his death, his resurrection, that, that it shows that there is something else going on, that God is doing a new thing in creation, that a new day has dawned when he walked out of the tomb, that, that there is hope for knowing God because he's revealed himself to us. And if we don't think there is a God or we don't think there is a resurrection, then it really doesn't matter what we, how we live. And, and it's kind of funny that people that don't aren't Christians and, and deny the resurrection or just say, I just kind of live, you know, what's our motivation really to live for anything? I mean, if you want to be consistent, that if there's no hope beyond this grave and this is kind of it, then of course we're just going to live and try to get it in all now and live with this sense of anxiety and the fear of missing out. And, you know, I'm not going to travel and I'm not going to, you know, buy this or do this or do that. But, but the resurrection would say, no, 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 no. It shapes our daily living and how we see all of life. And we can know God and, and, and walk with Him and enjoy God all of our, all of our days. And, and, and if we hang around people that don't have that same worldview, what's going to happen is we're going to begin to kind of buy into that old way of thinking. So there's, there's some people in this church that, that are kind of going, hey, there's no resurrection. It doesn't really matter. And, and Paul's going, no, 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 no. Don't, don't hang around those folks. Don't hang around those folks. For some have no knowledge of God. I, I say this to your shame. They're shrinking down the world. They're not making it more beautiful and more expansive and more hopeful. They're actually shrinking it down and saying it's all about now. It's all about here. It's all about what we're experiencing in the moment. But I, but I want a I want a robust worldview. I want a big, beautiful, good worldview that that says this life matters and the life beyond matters. And God is up to something. And he's doing something amazing in human history. And we believe that it's the resurrection of Christ that makes all of that possible. And no other teacher, philosophy, religion comes even close to having any kind of teaching or theology based on, on a hope, not only in this life, but also in the, le- in, in the next. How it, that Something that happened in the past can shape our future, but it also can shape our present. That's the beauty of the resurrection. 
it shapes all of those things, our past, our present, and our future. We don't have to live in the past. We don't have to live with guilt and shame and how we've screwed everything up because the cross has covered that and the resurrection has covered that. We, we can live now with a, a robust, beautiful worldview that says the world is good and God is redeeming, restoring all things. We can have hope even in the midst of suffering. We, 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 we know that our work matters. We know that relationships matter, marriage matters, and our neighbors matter, and justice matters because of the resurrection of Christ. And we can have hope for the future that even when cancer and suffering and struggle comes and pandemics come, God is renewing and restoring all things. And those things don't have the last say and sin doesn't have the last say. We'll probably touch on this next week, but I I wanted to just close our time with verse 58 at the end of 1 Corinthians 15. It says, Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And what a great sending blessing for you today, for me today, is that all of our work done in the name of the Lord, whatever you do for the glory of God is not in vain because of the resurrection of Christ. So so don't think homeschooling your kids doesn't matter. Don't think how we treat and love and serve our spouses doesn't matter today. Don't think that how you go about your work today doesn't matter because somehow God is using it all for his purposes in the world. Don't think for a second that even in suffering and trial, that God's not using that as well. And it's all because of the resurrection of Christ. So I want to just take a a few moments, if you're still on uh, with me, Uh, if there's anything I can pray for you uh, today, uh, any way I can bless you, pray with you, um, please uh, share that in the comments on Facebook or YouTube. And uh, if not, then I will uh, go ahead and pray for us. And I I am praying that you have a, a great day, not just in a empty, flippant way that we can say that as believers not just, hey, I hope your day is great, but we actually can say it in confidence because of the resurrection of Christ, that we have hope, a hope that most people don't have. And it's all because, not because of what we've done, but all because of what Christ has done on our behalf. And it shapes right now, today, this coming week, this coming month, this coming year, however many years God gives us until he returns. And so that's where I'm going to plant my life and I pray that you would plant your life there too. So with that, let us, let us pray together. Father, thank you again for 1 Corinthians 15. Thank you again for the hope of resurrection. Thank you for Paul's teaching here that is, is so practical for how we think about our lives in the past, how we think about our lives in the present, and how we even think about our lives in the future, all because of the resurrection of Christ. So I I pray that today, whatever we're walking in, whatever struggles we have, whatever um, trials that we have, that even as Paul says, it's all worth it because of the resurrection. We're feeling hopeless today. We're feeling anxious, depressed, angry. God, I pray because of the resurrection, we can look to you and find healing and find hope in the midst of even those things. So God, be with us today. I just pray that you would be uh, with us as we just continue to walk through these uncertain times. Be with our our city leaders. Be with uh, our health uh, care leaders. 
um, our church leaders, uh, our, our neighbors, our friends, our family, uh, as we all kind of walk in this pandemic together. Give us wisdom on, on as things begin to open up a little bit, um, how to, to live wisely and think about our neighbors and think about the implications of that. And, and I think because of the resurrection, we all should be thinking about the world and our neighbors in a different light. Uh, so help us do that uh, by your grace. We love you and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. New City Church, uh, go in God's grace and go in God's peace. And Lord willing, we will see you on Sunday and we'll continue to walk through Romans, uh, one of the greatest chapters in the Bible, in my opinion, Romans 8. We're going to be walking through that for a couple of weeks. I'm so excited to share that with you and be together and worship together this Sunday at 10 a.m. I'll talk to you guys real, real soon.